Hello and welcome to the Blind Tag Podcast. I'm your host Kyle Nash and today I have a feeling it's going to be a great episode. At least I think so, you know, idea popped in my head and I was like, you know, that's going to be a good episode, but I digress. Um, I think today, you know, as I was posting, you know, last episode and getting everything recorded, I noticed I have quite a few of the old files that I that I help record from my time at WCC Radio, Coastal Carolina University Student Radio Station. Now, the files I'm talking about are from a supplementary show that myself and my co-host Bennett Ferguson did for a few weeks last fall. Now, this was a I guess the best way to put it would be like a debate style show. We had a third person come on and literally each segment it would be say I would answer a question, you know, I would ask the question and then whoever won the point got to ask the next question and then the final person could ask. Then there was no prize. It was just like whoever won got the satisfaction knowing, hey, I won. But it was a good, I guess, way to put new content on, especially during a, you know, a global pandemic. Um, we couldn't really do it in the studio because uh, they hadn't had like a conference room set up and because of uh, COVID rules with campus, uh, if I'm in the studio doing the show, no one else could be in the studio. So, we had to, re- we had to record them and I made sure they were uploaded, but I also wanted to, you know, Let's put these files to good use. So, I guess this is going to be the first episode in a few episode series, which I will do sporadically. It's called Best of Inside the Cage. Now, Inside the Cage is a play on the radio show I started at WCCU called Sports Uncaged, which is now being um, handled very well by Bennett and Matt Weiner. I want to give props out to them. They are doing a great job. Uh, they they took an idea I had and they are knocking it out of the park. So I want to give congratulations to you guys. So the first episode I wanted to do, and the only, the only reason I wanted to do this one it, first is, and I'll probably say this about another episode is this guy's been a good friend of mine since we first met at work and big sports nut big philadelphia sports nut um he was happy when it was discovered that carson wentz got traded so i'm not sure if we talked about that or the likelihood of that in this episode now i do want to let you know that this episode was recorded um, the, the content with myself and Bennett was recorded in October so yes it's gonna seem a little dated but 
That's why we call it the best of. So it is going to air as it aired on WCC Radio. So if, if you're listening to this and you're like, wait, hold on. Why do they keep saying pay their bills or, or WCC Radio? That's the reason why. Is I'm legitimately going to upload it as is. So, and another reason I want to do this, this episode first. It's kind of more of a mm, personal reason. Um, and I've not really, you know, trying to do these shows, trying to do, you know, as kind of a escape from what's going on. But, you know, right now, you know, the family is going through some times. And 2021 has not been a good year for us. So we've just continued to be getting kicked in the balls upon kicked in the balls. Um, I received notice a couple weeks ago that my father has esophagus cancer and is at stage four. And it was a literal gut punch. I remember texting um, Zach and a mutual friend Megan from work from you know where I used to work at and <laughs> Zach's um, response was fuck dude and I'm like <laughs> like that, that made me smile a little bit because you know it's you don't know what's going to happen um and he was like dude we need to get a drink so without hesitation and they didn't I think they they both had like one drink um but their only reason for going out was to make sure I was okay because I just got hit with very horrible news uh, a wise man once told me you find out who your true friends are when you're down and to Zach and to Megan I definitely can count you as true friends because in my time of being down without even hesitation you did what you could even if it was just sitting there and listening to me vent so thank you guys and that's why I wanted to do this episode first so when we come back we will go inside the cage with Bennett and Zach and I hope you enjoy the show we had a fun time doing it there was so much left on the cutting room floor because we, I had to fit this into a uh, 50 minute window um yeah so take this little quick break and when we come back let's have some fun
Before we get back to the podcast, I want to let everyone know about my intro. That is Sax, Rock, and Roll by Kevin McLeod. This song and other songs that are royalty-free are being able to be found on IncomTech.com. Welcome to Inside the Caged here on WCC Radio, Coastal Carolina University student radio station. As TJ would say, I am your ho- one of your hosts, Kyle Nashes of Mashism. Uh, this is one of the few times that someone butchers my last name, and I actually like it. With me, as always, is the one, the only, the fantasy guru that doesn't know much about fantasy, Mr. Bennett Ferguson. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. All right. And we wanted to get someone special on the show, so we decided to find this one person. If you ever wanted to know what a untalented Baldwin brother mixed Uh-oh. with Jim Carrey, you put them together. We have Jack <laughs> Bruno. How you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing good. That's my name. Don't wear it out. How you doing, Kyle? Well, man, I'm doing good as always. You know, you know how we do it. Uh, oh, yes, this, sir. This is your first time here on WCC Radio, so just give us a quick uh, about you. Just remember, you are um, we're we can't edit this, so you can't take an hour. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, yeah, no, my name is Zach. Um, down here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, just moved here about a year and a half ago. Been doing a little bit of traveling throughout the country. Um, currently, have been up and down the East Coast. Spent a little time out west in Colorado. And, um, yeah, pretty much nothing too exciting. Just a big sport guy and just getting excited to get this debate going. All right. Well, welcome to the show. I'm um, glad to have you here. Um, me, me and Zach were uh, co-workers before. And, um, yes, sir. But prior to the end of the world pandemic. Um, but, you know, it's always good to stay in touch. Uh, Absolutely. I, just, I have unilaterally decided that I'm going first just because I can. And this is the question. Uh, in the NBA, the two teams that have won the most games are the 1996 Chicago Bulls and the 2016 Golden State Warriors. In a best of seven series, who would win? Now, I need to know what rules would be used and who would win the series and how many games. And I'm going to go with Bennett first. Uh, okay. Um, well, I I pulled all this stuff up, and then I decided last minute, like, just during the break, that, hey, maybe it'd be a good idea to write all this stuff down so I'm not having to constantly switch back and forth. But I forgot to do that. So, <laughs> um, uh, I'm just going to go off my gut here. Okay, so you're saying in uh, best of seven, who would win? 96 Chicago Bulls 2016 is it 2016-2017 or 2015-2016? 2015-2016 okay so I thought without Durant <laughs> yeah the one without Durant yeah. um, the one where they lost to the well, the Cavs uh, yeah, the yeah, they, they, they won 73 games and yet lost yes they won 73 and 9 um, yeah. uh, I, I, first off I'm going to say I would take the Bulls and 
that's it, I'll explain why now. I'm not just gonna say that to say that that the um, the Bulls have a better squad now. I know for the time, it's two separate time periods, obviously, and the fact that the Bulls they wouldn't be able to keep up with the Warriors. I'll say that the NBA is a lot younger and faster nowadays than it was back then. Back in those days, it was a lot of um, it was very slow. You get the ball down the court, you wait, you take your shot. The the Warriors, however, they had a pretty good vibe of going down the court, shooting the three, and then running back down the court to play defense. If it hits, hey, points. If not, come back and, and try to get it back down the court for another three. And that's Clay Thompson, Steph Curry are two of the best three-pointers in NBA history. And so it's no secret that that season they won a lot of games because they shot so many three-pointers and because of how the game is now molded towards the Warriors in their favor. And they played a lot of teams that still were trying uh, to, to be a lot slower than what the Warriors were. Now the Bulls are a little bit different there. Of course, they had uh, um, uh, they were a little bit slower, but they did have the triangle offense. I'm pretty sure that they had that at that time. And so they basically only had to pass it to three people to score, and then they had big men in the middle. See, nowadays the NBA, uh, their big men aren't big. They're tall, but they're not bulky. Back in those days, I mean, it's even up until Shaq, Shaq was probably one of the last big bulky men. Um, I mean, nowadays, you know, you have a lot of shorter, uh, a lot of taller guys, but a lot skinnier. So I would take the Bulls because uh, Michael Jordan's Michael Jordan, and you can't get too far off of the goat list before Michael Jordan's name appears. And that season, he had arguably the better season than Steph Curry, who's the best player on the Warriors. Um, I think we would put it in the Warriors' favor because they did not play back then. We would be using the Warriors' rules, the, the newer rules that have come up, um, because the game has gone so much since 1997, 1996. Um, there's a lot of stuff that makes sense that the, that 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 wasn't implemented back then. So I'd say we use the new rules, but Bills, the, the Bulls would still win because. Um, they're a lot bulkier, they can get in and rebound a lot more, and it's Michael Jordan, he's always going to have a good game, even when he's sick. Um, and Kuko, Kuko and uh, Kerr, I mean Kerr wins either way, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Kerr and Kuko and uh, Pippen, and uh, I mean Pippen and, and Jordan and Kuko by themselves would win that game, but then you have Rodman and... Um, forget who their center was, was it Winnington at that point? Yeah, yeah. Yep, Bill Winnington, yep. And then Ron Harper did absolutely nothing. But hey, he's there. He's, uh, you have a you have a pretty good team there, and they would wipe out the Warriors. Now, 2017 Warriors is a different story. Different. But, but, we're, but we're not. 2016-2017 Durant, that changes everything. That changes right. But uh, how many games? I would say probably six. Six games? Um, it might go down to seven. Uh, it's not definite six or seven, though, because the Warriors would probably put a couple games up because they're so much faster. I think they'd wear out the Bulls um, playing every, every other night. All right. uh, before I ask the bonus question, I'm going to let Zach answer first. Uh, uh, Zach, Sounds please. good. So I, uh, I kind of wish I went first because I kind of agree with Bennett on this one. Um, I think it'd be a really good matchup. Um, I want to say it probably would go down to about seven games. Um, I did a little research. I looked up some of the st statistics and the starting lineups and whatnot. So from what I can see, it looks like 
At the time, you know, the alpha on the Warriors was obviously Stephon Curry, averaged 30.1 points per game, 2.1 steals. Jordan, on the other hand, pretty much identical, averaged 30.4 points per game, 2.2 steals per game. So they were pretty much identical. Now, we all know that Michael Jordan is obviously the GOAT. Um, you know, he was known as much of his offense as he was for his defense, where Curry, although he did average 2.1 steals per game, he's not really as well known for his defense um, production. Um, as far as role players go, you know, like, like Bennett said, Clay, you know, one of the best three-point shooters. He can do it off the dribble. He can do a catch and shoot. Looks like he was averaging 22.1. Um, Scotty, on the other hand, in 96, was averaging 19.4. So same thing roughly around for the number two option roughly around the same. Um, the big difference I noticed with the Warriors is it did look like their starting five was a little more balanced with the points per game. Uh, but it looks like Harrison Barnes averaged 11.7 points per game and Draymond actually averaged 14 points per game, whereas the starting point guard, I think, for the Bulls at the time, Ron Harper, was only averaging 7.4 and Rodman was averaging 5.5. Now, it is difficult to kind of debate about because you know like you said with the times changing and whatnot if it was you know current day I would probably lean a little bit more towards the Warriors just because like Bennett said the pace kind of gets picked up and stuff like that um, in older days it was a triangle offense it was a lot more slower um, I did a little more I looked more into it in 2016 it says the Warriors were the first in the league in points per game they averaged 114.9 it's called 115 um, and they were the number one overall rated offense as well. Um, as far as defense goes, they were actually 19th out of 30. Uh, they averaged 104.1 points per game scored against them. Um, however, at the same time, their overall defensive rating was number five. Um, now the Bulls, on the other hand, in 96, they were also first in points per game with 105. So you could tell that's about a 10 point difference in the Warriors. Um, again, like Bennett said, I feel like it just has more to do with the pace and stuff that the game goes by nowadays. What really got me, though, was their defense for the Bulls. Um, they were third in the league out of 30. They only allowed 92.9 points per game, and that translated into actually the number one ranked defense as well. So in 96, as far as ratings go, they were number one offense defense, it looks like, all around. So. I'm honestly going to have to lean with Bennett a little bit. I think that it would be one heck of a matchup. Like you said, if Durant was there, it'd be a different story. But I think it would be go. I think it would go to seven. I would lean towards the Bulls a little bit more, given the fact that you know Jordan is just on another kind of realm as far as all these other guys go, and um, the physicality that they brought. I mean, you got to think these guys were also dealing with the bad boys in the, in the late mid '80s, early '90s, stuff like that. They really. They really, I mean, you watch some of those clips and they're, you know, throwing fists, they're shoving, they're really fighting for it. Rodman was averaging 15 rebounds per game that year. So I don't think that the Warriors would go down too easily. However, I do think the Bulls, I think they would just be a much more physical team. I feel like they would be, it would be almost like a physical versus speed in a sense, pace versus kind of physicality. And I, I think in the long run, I think the Bulls would probably walk away with it after seven. Okay. And um, what rules would they be playing the series under? I think that the rules that they would be doing it under would probably be back, I want to say like mid-2000s, early modern day. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go far back to like beyond the 70s and 60s where there was no three-point line. And, you know, because back then they, they definitely had a different kind of style of play. You know, there was no like 
three seconds in the paint, you know, turnover and stuff like that, where nowadays they definitely kind of do a better job of maintaining that. So I think the Bulls, with them, even if it wasn't present day rules, I think that they would be able to adapt a little bit better. Um, whereas the Warriors, same thing, they might be able to adapt with the older rules, but I think their style of play was so based on modern day society with like speed and tempo and pace and whatnot, where the Bulls, it seemed like they can do it with or without that kind of tempo. Um, so I would say even with modern day rules, I think the Bulls would still end up walking away with it. Okay. Now, and Zach, I will go with my bonus question. So, let's put, let's pretend that this is like the greatest teams of all time NBA Finals. All right? Okay. What team... So, let, 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 me, let me say it this way. So, the, we're going to 95-96 Bulls. So, okay. could, uh, I don't know, 2010-2011 Heat... Could they eliminate the Bulls from this playoffs before they get to the final? You see what okay. I'm saying? I do. Yep. Perfect. Um. Wow. That's tough. Um, I told you I was going to make you think. Yeah. That that is a tough one. If I had to pick one team from wow from the Eastern Conference, that might does it have to be the Eastern Conference? Uh, of course, or could it be? How, how, how about we do it this way? Pick one team that could. Upset this dream matchup. Upset this dream matchup. Um, I want to go with. Oh, I'm spacing out on the year, but I want to say it's somewhere in the mid '80s. I want to say, I want. I want to say it's like the Boston Celtics. Uh, so, so you talking so, about like uh, one of the Boston teams from the '80s that era? I want. Yeah, I want to say it was like '85 or '86. Six somewhere around there, still when like Larry Bird was in his like pretty much when he was right around his prime for us, like in his yeah. like mid twenties, mid to late twenties. Right. I think eighty five, eighty six. Yeah. Bennett, what about you? Yeah. Um. Well, I was gonna make a joke there and say, well, the Cavaliers, uh, <laughs> Warriors. Um. Like. No, they're, they they were a pretty good team though. The Cavs were, and uh, I was yeah. thinking maybe I should go with the Cavs from 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 one of those years where they had like that that team. But okay, because um, I was sitting there thinking like, what other teams would even come close? Because I mean, Michael Jordan and them, that is one of the greatest teams of all time. I mean, those, those players are all goaded in their own right. Uh, yeah. Extent uh, legends, at least, um, and then uh, for the Warriors, I mean, they had some super good like Clay and Curry and Draymond, but they were lacking in other areas. So, what team would take out? I'm not going to try to take out the Bulls because right. you can't take out the Bulls. They were, but at the same time, who could take out the Warriors? I don't remember the year. Uh, I don't think I was watching basketball at that time, but it was. Back when Kobe Bryant, Shaq, yep. who else was on that team? Nash, I think, oh, was on that team at one oh, Carl time. Malone. Carl Malone. Oh, Gary Payton, too. Gary Payton, yes. Yeah. That was 2003, yep. 2004. That's the Lakers, right? Yeah. yeah I think 2003, 2004, Lakers could beat, let's see, they'd be going up against the Warriors, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So they would beat the Warriors, I think, the 2002, 2004 Lakers, because they have a big body in Shaq. Yep. Move people around and paint, and you look at the Warriors 
centers, you look at the Warriors' power forwards, they are nowhere near as good as Shaq was. He can get rebounds in the paint, he'd be able to knock, basically knock out their entire, uh, the, all their big men. Shaq would knock them out. You look at Nash and Malone and Kobe and look at all of them, they would, they would just, Curry wouldn't be able to hit a three because Nash would be in his face. You could, Kobe would outscore Curry. I mean, yeah, it's just a perfect, like, starting five there. They would knock out the other starting five. So. I'd agree. I'd agree with that too. That was that was honestly my number two choice behind the uh, behind the Celtics. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. The Celtics are a good choice, though. Honestly, yeah. yeah I looked. I looked at it because I know that they had. I was like, okay, they have a big man and Robert Parrish. They had a really good power forward, Kevin McHale. Um, obviously, Larry Bird's Larry Bird. John Havlicek at the shooting guard. I'm spacing on who the point guard was, but you look at that like. There's so many rosters where even you look at them and you're like, you had four Hall of Famers on your starting lineup, and that's just, just unbelievable. We don't we don't talk about that Brooklyn Nets team. We don't talk about the Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry. Brooklyn yeah, that Nets. was Hall of Famers. That was just a we don't disaster. Talk about you know, don't if they if they traded for those guys maybe five six years prior to that, we it would be a different story. But They've they were on their way out before they even got there. All right, so I get to make my ruling. Um, on the main question, I got to give the uh, point to Zach. He, yeah, you, uh, you 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 brought out the stats, and that really backed up the argument. Uh, Bennett, I'm giving you the bonus point just because of the fact that you, like, you literally laid out like you know how each matchup would go, but you also got to mm-hmm. remember the um, the Jordan Bulls. The majority of those players played against the Celtics in the late 80s or the 90s so that's true that's true so which means when we come back from this break i think zach is going to ask us a really horrible question have fun (laughs) a very horrible question least it could be worse i don't know (laughs) we'll be right back (laughs) sports on no not sports on cage i'm sorry that's that's Tuesday through Thursday here on WCCU Radio. Uh, inside the cage, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Let's look at our tally so far. Uh, Bennett is in second place with half a point. Zach is currently our leader with one point. That is why he is going to ask this next question. But the one I do want to ask um, before you answer your uh, ask your question, um, if this debate gets too violent, uh, do we have <laughs> do we have any medical professionals on call that can uh, uh, help us if needed? Um, I do. My uh, my girlfriend actually just graduated nursing school, so I can shoot her a text after me to see her in a couple minutes if need be. If need be. I thought he was going to get the Chargers team doctor here. I got nervous. Oh. <laughs> oh. Too soon. Zinger. <laughs> All right, Zach. You, uh, let us know what your question is and who you want to go first. All right. So my question for today is out of the best division in all of football. I say that with heavy italicis because it's the NFC East or the NFC least, as we like to say. Who do you think has the best chance from here till the rest of the season to win that division? 
figured since Bennett went first last time, Kyle, I will let you go first this time for us. All right. So, uh, COVID-19. Wait, hold on. So, wait. So, so far in, in this series, <laughs> COVID-19 has won the NFC East and the Stanley Cup. So, we just want to make sure that COVID is winning a lot of trophies. <laughs> yeah, they got a couple of them right now so far. <laughs> All right. They're, they're going to get to college football playoffs. You, 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 they're, they're probably going to get the Big Ten title. But anyway, I digress. So, uh, in, in doing my research for this, I decided, you know, instead of diving in, like breaking down lineups or all this, I literally looked at their offensive production against right. the offensive production of each team's opponents to kind of predict who's going to win. And if TJ was on this call, he would appreciate it because I have a Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> Nice. Very nice. It's it's only one sheet, I promise. Um, but <laughs> I am going to say Philadelphia. Philadelphia Beautiful. is going to finish with a record of 6-9-1, which will be the worst record by a playoff team in NFL history in a non-strike year. So uh, I think really the only, only wins they're going to have is against the division, uh, just based on um, – like just their offense, because uh, Philadelphia is averaging twenty-three point uh, three points per game uh, in all the non-conference opponents that are playing teams from the NFC East. The only team that is scoring least, the least amount of points is Carolina at twenty-two point four. So, wow. that being said, I've got Philadelphia winning the division, the six ninety-one. I have Dallas going four and twelve, Washington three and thirteen, and the Giants will not win another game. They will be one and fifteen, and New York will get the first draft pick, and then New York will get the second draft pick. All right. What about you, Bennett? What are we thinking over here? Well, I did make a spreadsheet. I didn't look at the team's <laughs> offensive productions and stats and stuff. I looked at what I know best, and that's the players and uh knowing from the knowing what they can do and knowing how everything should work out i still have i I agree with kyle on the fact that the eagles will most likely win nfc east i'm not going to give you the definitive yes they will win um and i know you're eagles fan so i don't want to be like hey they'll they'll win give me a point uh because that's you know um that's (laughs) i'm biased here but i know uh, eagles the eagles have to we do not do pandering on this show. Pandering is nah, not good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, to start off with, Eagles have the strongest, healthiest roster um, when you're not looking at their receiving court. Um, or their offensive line, or their offensive line. Uh, you look at either one of those, they have a pretty healthy um, team. Their defense is probably the most solid in, in the NFC East right now. Um, it was, uh, they have some pretty good players. Their wide receiving core, is young and it's random. Uh, I don't think anybody would choose to have those wide receivers at the beginning of last year, uh, except for Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. But even those two are going somewhere after the season. They're not sticking around. But you look at the Cowboys, the Cowboys are in a quarterback controversy crisis right now. But Dalton has concussion and COVID at the same time. So he's gotten knocked for a loop and now he's out. So they're having to start people who would never start a normal NFL game. And while they do have a great offensive line when 
Smith is healthy and Collins is healthy and Looney is healthy, they don't they don't have a good pass game because their quarterback is lacking because he's a random starter that they picked off the practice squad. Yep. When Dalton gets back, however, I think they have a good chance to be the number two because Cooper is still Cooper, Michael Gallup is still there, CeeDee Lamb's having a pretty productive year, and then they have a two-headed monster with Pollard and Elliott. So don't count the Cowboys out, but do count them down to count. Cow- uh, the Washington football team, um, I mean, they are uh, uh, ragtag, to say the least. They have a quarterback that they don't want, uh, who's a backup now, who pretty much should probably start, honestly, if they just want to get production, put him in. But Kyle Allen's their starter. He's had a couple good seasons. Well, he had one season in Carolina where he did okay. But you look at the rest of their team, their offensive line is god-awful. I mean, their only good players are their right tackle and right guard. Their left guard, left tackle, center, they're all pretty bad. Their wide receiving core, uh, McLaurin's the only good one, and even then he has uh, hit-or-miss weeks. Their running backs, Gibson's been pretty good, honestly. He's showing that he could probably be the bell cow for them in the future, but they're not going to get much further than 3-13, and 4-12. and 12. And then the Giants... They're looking okay at wide receiver now, but their offensive line's lacking. Their defense has no impact players whatsoever. At least the Washington football team have Chase Young and Montez Sweat. But uh, the, the Giants are definitely looking like the worst of those teams. Um, and maybe with Dante Pettis added to their wa- roster, they can go somewhere. But um, that's just a, a rounded explanation of the Eagles have the most rounded out squad. They're not strong in any areas, better than, like, say, uh, who would I say, the um, Saints or the Packers. Or right. They're not stronger than them in any way, except yeah. their kicker is better. I mean, they have a pretty good kicker uh, and punter. But um, their special teams are great. But the rest of their team, they'll most likely, the only way that they'll win is if they can just beat the Cowboys. And even if they lose to the, um, the football team and the Giants, they can only lose to them once, though. If they lose to them twice, they're out. But if they, if they even pick up a loss to either one of them, they're still okay as long as they beat the Cowboys twice and maybe win against like, the Jets if they play. So. Awesome. Well, you guys definitely both gave really, really valid uh, arguments. It's actually a lot tougher than I thought it would be. Um, now, before I decide, my bonus question is going to be kind of in the same direction. So, you know, the original question was who's going to be, who's going to have the best record this year. My bonus is out of the NFC East, who do you think has the most potential for success going forward? So as far as like the next three, four, five years, future growth, things along those lines, who do you think kind of has the most potential to, to kind of advance within the next few years for us? Uh, Benny, you want to start with I can, I can go for it. Um, I'd have to say the football team and the Giants are the two I would say have the most potential. Um, I'm not going to say one of them is going to be more, it's going to be better than the other, but it seems like the Cowboys uh, have pretty much reached their limit. They can't get better. They can, their seasons, their, their win losses can improve. They can make the playoffs, but in the sense of making their team better, they have a pretty good team uh, all around. Um, maybe get a few defensive people, but. Uh, and then the Eagles, Wentz has sort of hit his limit um, with what he has. And I don't see the Eagles adding any, maybe adding some receivers, but they're not adding like a huge 
like superstar to make their team better. They're actually yeah. going to lose some players. But the, the football team, if they, they're probably going to draft another quarterback. But the football team, they have great defense right now. They do have a lot of players if they weren't injured would be killing it right now. And their offense, they've worked a lot on their offensive line. They're trying to get receivers then. And uh, with this early pick, they might do well. And then with the Giants, I will say, when I did, I did a small little mock draft for my radio show. Um, they were number two, and I, I took had them taking draft class. And instead of going offensive line, which they desperately need, they need an impact player on defense that's not in the secondary, like Peppers. Peppers is great, but he's in the secondary. He can't have an impact up front. So if they can right. get somebody on that defensive line and get Nate Solder back, I know everyone hates him, but put him at right tackle for one year, they should have a pretty substantial threat. Uh, and they, they, I could see them making a run for the playoffs. Now, Bennett, um, your um, mic was kind of messing up whenever you said, who who did you have him taking with that second pick? I had him taking Gregory Rousseau. He's an edge rusher from LSU. I, I agree with Bennett on the uh, Philadelphia Wit- Wits is basically just he's hit a ceiling. Um, he's not he's not going to go any further. I mean, at least he has a Super Bowl ring, so you know he can say he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but that's about it. Um, we don't know where Jackson or Jeffries going to go, so they're going to have to reload the wide receivers. Dallas Cowboys, yep. um, their future is only is tied to Jerry Jones. And if Jerry Jones is making decisions on uh, personnel, you know exactly where they're going to go. They're going to go 8-8. Eight eight. He, he's going to pay everyone else but the quarterback and basically just go from there. So they, they, they've hit their ceilings. Um, I would say the Giants by hair over the Redskins. And the only reason I say that is they have Saquon Barkley. He is one of the best running backs in the NFL. He is going to be coming back stronger than ever next season. Um, Daniel Jones, it can be a good quarterback. Unfortunately, he just, you know, he has to have the right uh, offensive coordinator really just like uh, teaching him. Because, I mean, he, he came from the, uh, the, the uh, quarterback guru, with, uh, David Cutcliffe and Duke. And yep. he, he spent summers working with the Manning. So he, you know, he has that potential. It's just not showing right now because of the fact that their offensive line is, you know, um, 20 stage of garbage. And uh, so he's he's basically running for his life and tripping over the place. He's thrown, yep. uh, I think he has like 35 turnovers in 20 games. A lot of them interceptions, um, some fumbles. Um, I mean, the talent is there. I mean, he, he took Duke teams that had no wide receivers and maybe only a running back and still won games at Duke. The Redskins, I think, will be better the short term because they uh, Chase Young and uh, Montez Sweat, they just got to get the quarterback situation figured out. Uh, we knew Ron Rivera wasn't going to really keep Haskins because he, he didn't draft him. I just didn't think it was going to be this big of a uh, fall from grace from Haskins. And obviously you have Alex Smith, who miraculously came back from that leg injury. You know, thank God, uh, you know, he has come back to player of the year. If he does not win it, that needs to be retired. Uh, but you also don't know about the quarterback situation over the next couple of years. 
Daniels at least tight, and you know they're not going to be cutting Daniel Jones anytime soon. So that's more certainty in that position, which can lead credence to more uh, stability with the team. So I think the Giants by hair have the better long term. All right. And now uh, decision time, I guess. Yes, um, so you guys have obviously done this a couple times because you're not making it easy on me. Um, I am leaning as far as the original question goes for the full point. I'm actually going to give that to Bennett. Um, I just I really liked the fact of how you kind of brought in specific players, discussed injuries, aged kind of situations, people that are coming up that were unexpected, that have really outperformed themselves and other people that are also underperforming. Um, as far as the bonus question, I'm actually going to give that to Kyle for the half point. Um, I like the fact that you, I do agree with that. I do agree that the, the Giants probably do have a slighter edge in the long term. I like the fact that you brought up Saquon Barkley a lot. I feel like, you know, although he's hard to forget about, with this year being the way it is, you know, people are kind of throwing the Giants under the bus. But I do think the Giants as well kind of have um, the long-term kind of potential. Because like you said, with Daniel Jones kind of being um, learning under the guru at Duke and things of that nature. And they just seem like a more kind of youth development team. But I agree. I don't think that Wentz has any more improvement. Honestly, I being an Eagles fan, I think that he's on the decline at this point, hence why we drafted a quarterback in the second round. But all in all, you know, definitely both both very, very good arguments. You guys made it kind of tough to decide, I'm not going to lie. So, uh, we will pay some bills, play, play a song or two, uh, depending on what we decide. And when we come back, Bennett is going to want to inquire about our starting potential Did i get that correct yeah pretty much okay we'll be right back with more inside the cage all right welcome back and let's look at the leaderboard uh, in last place with half a point. <laughs> <laughs> in first, uh, second place, Zach with one. And Bennett, you are currently leading with one and a half. And this will be your question. So. So I'm not winning. Because <laughs> it's, uh, um, <laughs> it's, but that's all good. It doesn't matter about wins and losses. Um, no, so my question my question is, my question is, Josh Rosen, he was a top draft pick in the NFL, and he had a lot of potential, but it seems like he is now just another name. Uh, do you think that Josh Rosen will ever be a starter in the NFL again? Mike, uh, no, not Mike, God, bless him. <laughs> Zach. Yes, sir. Sorry, sorry. Uh, nope. Zach, you want to pick this first? Sounds good. So, I, once again, did a little bit of research, nothing too crazy, and I feel like the obvious answer would be, due to his kind of lack of success, would be no. But I'm actually going against the grain. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say he does have the opportunity to once again be a starter in the NFL. Now, granted, a lot has to happen in order for that to take place. 
Um, I'm not saying that he would ever wind up being the out of preseason, out of offseason guaranteed starter. I think an injury would need to happen. I need to, he would either be a second or third string, and he'd have to work his way up. But when I was kind of looking a little bit over it, um, you know, even to this day, he's six foot four, two twenty six. So he definitely is a big bodied quarterback um, that can kind of hang in the pocket. Me personally, when he was coming out of the draft, I wasn't really a huge fan of him. Um, as far as his college kind of stats go, his junior year he threw for sixty three percent. 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Somehow, not sure how the numbers add up, but he had 147 quarterback rating. So as far as the college game goes, it looks like he did pretty good. Um, now, like you said, he was a top pick, 10th overall pick in the 2018 draft um, for the Arizona Cardinals. And we do all know that that kind of um, was a short, short kind of lived uh, quarterback starting job for him over there. It looks like over the 13 games he played for them, they went three and ten. He threw for 200 and, or 2,278 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. Uh, throwing for 55 percent, he averaged 162 yards per game, and he had a quarterback rating of 24.7, which is god awful. Um, the year after, we saw that they drafted Kyler Murray. They let him go. He went over to the Miami Dolphins. Looks like he only played, it says, three games there where they went 0-3. Had 567 yards passing for one touchdown, five interceptions. Had an even worse QBR rating at 20.7 and threw for 94.5 yards per game. So the numbers alone are absolutely god-awful. Now, I'm going to take it with the grain of salt because when he got drafted in 2018 to the Cardinals, they as a whole were a very kind of poor offensive franchise. They were the league's least leading um, in yards per game. They only had 241.6 yards per game. So it looks like as a whole, the offense didn't really have no much or didn't really have much. They didn't have much of a line. They had David Johnson, who was just coming back off that that um, severe injury and didn't really still look like himself. Um, as far as the weapons he had, obviously Larry Fitzgerald was there, Hall, future Hall of Famer. Um, his number two wide receiver, J.J. Nelson, really nothing too spectacular. Uh, the starting tight end was Ricky Seals-Jones, again, nothing too spectacular. Um, then when he moved to the Dolphins again, you look at the weapons he had. He had Kenyon Drake and Balazs, who we all know nowadays, Kenyon Drake, um, you know, had his shine in Arizona. But when he was on the Dolphins, I feel like he was greatly misused. Um, so we didn't get to see the potential there. Two star his two starting wide receivers were Devontae Parker and Kenny Steeles. Again, not really, you know, quality wide receivers, but not really what you're looking to have a young quarterback develop with. And their tight end was also really young in Mike Jaleski. Um, so overall, I do give him partial blame. Um, the only reason I'm going against the grain and saying he has potential to start once again is first off the age. You know, again, he's only 23 years old. He's still young. He still has time to mature, still time to develop. And I recently found out that he is actually on, I don't know what the depth chart looks like. He might be the third string. Um, but he's actually over on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers these days. And when I look at that, I instantly think young 23-year-old kid learning under arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. 
you know, that can never be a bad thing, you know. Um, you look at the situation with Teddy Bridgewater in the New Orleans Saints, you know, he had a really bad injury. He took two years to learn, develop, mature, kind of understand the game more, understand the kind of the film and the mental aspect of it, you know, along with the physical aspect of the game. And now we see him, you know, just signed a nice contract over Carolina, got a new starting job. And, you know, he's not, I'm not going to say he's a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, but he's definitely at the same time, he seems like he's mentally, you know, smart as far as understanding his reads and whatnot and things of that nature. And I feel like that's a big thing with today's game um, is when quarterbacks might understand that they are kind of on the down, they might realize they have to sacrifice a couple years of learning in order to get back up. We see Jameis Winston doing the same thing after Teddy Bridgewater left. Now he's the backup in the Saints. So I think Josh Rosen, I think he played it smart going to the Buccaneers. Again, you know, he's not really in any position to have, you know, they're not expecting too much of him. So there's not really, you know, pressure on him. He can kind of relax, settle in, kind of learn a little bit more. Brady might be there for, you know, another year or so. So he has a couple of years to learn. Who knows? I mean, we've seen this year alone, we see the, the Cowboys, you know, they lost Dak and they lost Andy Dalton and they had a, like a late round or undrafted, you know, rookie no-name quarterback from James Madison come out. And granted, he didn't do any good, but um, you know, it's just it's interesting to see how the NFL always develops. And um, you know, I like I said, I don't think that he would ever go into a uh, off-season guaranteed the number one spot. But you know, give him a couple of years, like I said, learning under Tom Brady. Um, you never know. He might he might surprise a couple people. Um, you know, his his completion, but the whole thing with the you know, the lack of touchdown production, the multiple interceptions a game. I, it looks like on his career, he averages about 54% completion rating. So the stats the stats say no, but, you know, it all depends on his, his ethic, his hard work. And, you know, if, if he does decide he ever wants a shot at it, I mean, you know, spend the next two years learning under Brady and you, you know, that's that's a good place to start. So I'm going to go against the grain and say that he, he definitely does have an opportunity it's going to be a long road but I, I think he has somewhat of a chance okay i would like to quickly say though that uh he's on the practice squad actually uh, he's, he's on the practice squad okay that's Glennon's the backup to brady which that doesn't make any sense cutting mike glennon bring Rosen on happen actually under him but hey you know buccaneers and buccaneers let him do them but hey i like that okay go ahead kyle all right so i'm gonna say no I don't think he will. I don't think he will be a full-time starter. He might be like a spot starter uh, if someone gets injured. But as far as um, him getting a team like Teddy Bridgewater got a team this year, I don't think so. And I'm I'm looking just looking at his stats now. I'm obviously I'm gonna just take 2018 because he only played three games in 2019 before Kyler Murray got. Yeah. So I'm, and those really just skew the stats worse. So in 2018, he was uh, 217 for 393 for 2,278 yards, 55.2% uh, completion. He threw a touchdown on 2.8% of attempts. He threw an interception 3.6% of attempts. He got sacked 45 times and he had a quarterback rating of 66.7. If he was on a, uh, if those stats were on a NFL team right now, he would lead, he would be in the top five in completions, attempts, and yards. 
He would also lead the league in interceptions. He would have the worst completion, uh, completion percentage and the worst quarterback rate. Now you also look at from just, just those numbers, if you compare them to individuals, touchdowns. He has he had 11 touchdowns. He would be tied with Joe Burrow for outside the top, I mean, outside the top 20 of quarterbacks right now. Interceptions, he threw 14, which is two more than Carson Wentz has thrown this season so far. He has 13 more sacks uh, than Carson Wentz right now. So, you know, and that's a full season. And this is only through seven, eight games. And his quarterback rating is only barely a percent higher than Sam Darnold of the winless Jets. Obviously, the offensive line, you know, that's the reason why he got sacked 45 times. The offensive line was trash. So, you know, um, Zach oh, was, was very uh, poignant about that. I think another thing that I looked at is teams that are going to need starters next year. Uh, Dallas, three of their quarterbacks are That's going to be my bonus question. <laughs> okay, so I will stop right there. and hey, I, Save that, please. I will, I will save it. Uh, I will save it. I'm just gonna let you. I'm just gonna say this, and I'm gonna let you continue. Okay. okay. If you have anything else to say about that, though, you can go ahead and say it. But if, if I, that's it, I think I, I think I'm done because that's where I was gonna go okay. there next. But yeah. Well, um, with that being said, with that being said, okay. With that being said, when you look at teams, a lot of teams are about to lose their starting quarterbacks because the quarterbacks are older. Do you think? What team do you think could use Sam Donald, not Sam Donald, Josh <laughs> Rosen in the next couple of years? If he were to start again, where do you think he would go? Okay. Like Kyle continues with what he was saying. So, yep. uh, apparently I read Bennett's mind in doing this research, yeah. which, which for full transparency, I did not know the bonus question. Okay. Full I didn't even <laughs> know the question until halfway through the week, so. True, but I knew that question. I knew the main question. I didn't. We we don't tell people the bonus questions. So I just want to let everyone know that. Dallas, as I was going to say, Dallas, they have three quarterbacks, um, Dak, Andy Dalton, and uh, Garrett, uh, what's his name? Uh, they're all going to be Garrett free agents. Huh? Garrett Gilbert? Garrett Gilbert. That was his last name. Um, Indianapolis, Philip Rivers, and J- uh, Jacoby Brissett will be free agents. New England, both their quarterbacks, Cam Newton and Brian Hoyer, will be free agents. Uh, we touched on the Washington situation with their quarterbacks. And the New York Jets, we don't know if they're going to tank enough to pick Trevor Lawrence. So um, of those teams, I would say looking at, looking at the coaching staffs and the – learning tree of sorts it's gonna sound weird but i'm gonna say new england and here's the reason why i say it because you have bill belichick if bill belichick has a bad season he's not gonna get fired if mike mccarthy has a bad season he's gone if uh the the coach for the colts has a bad season he's gone you're not going to fire bill belichick and Washington, they, they just hired Ron Rivera, so they're probably going to draft the quarterback this season coming up. So I, I would say you bring, if you're not going to keep Cam, um, sign Josh Rosen, let him compete with whatever uh, quarterbacks they bring in, let him earn the position. And if he does, great. And if it's a comeback story, great. 
But I, I think New England would probably be the best fit right now. All right. So, um, man, Kyle, you're not making this easy. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, 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 do like, I do like the idea of the Patriots. I was originally leaning towards the Colts because I know that their quarterback coach was the former quarterback. I'm, I'm spacing on his name. I think it's Frank Frank. Frank, Frank, Frank yeah, yeah. Yes, that's the guy's name. I could not think so originally, I was originally going to say the Colts because I know that he was originally working with Philadelphia when we had Carson Wentz in 2017 when he was putting on his MVP caliber season before he, um, you know, suffered the season-ending injury. On top of that, he took a backup quarterback to Nick Foles, who already kind of proved himself in the league previous years, um, took him and kind of gave him the reins and, you know, led him to kind of lead the team towards the Super Bowl. So Colts were original my thing. Again, I'm actually going to throw a curveball in there, and I'm going to say that I think he has the best chance of being an eventual starter if he stays right where he is right now in Tampa. I think that if he takes the next couple of years, granted there's no pressure on him, you know, Brady I think is locked in on a two-year deal, so he's, he has it guaranteed at least, at least the end of this year, next year, to continue to learn. You know, Bruce Arian loves to throw the ball. He's a big pass kind of guy. Um, they have the weapons. Um, the defense is incredible. And I think that with all those aspects, if he spends, again, these next couple of years, you know, learning the playbook, learning the tendencies, learning his players a lot, then by the time Brady does come to retire, granted, they might look into the draft or they might look to trade for someone, but... If this kid really wants to, you know, kind of prove the, the doubters wrong and say, hey, I still got what it takes, you know, again, I'm only 23 years old. By the time Brady retires, he might be 24, 25, say. That's still fairly young. You know, I mean, I've known, I know there's quarterbacks out there. Granted, Taysom Hill's a gadget guy, but I don't think he even started playing until he was like 26, 27 in the league. Third, yeah, exactly. So, I think that, you know, got to take things with a grain of salt. You know, you understand there are players that do develop differently. You know, I'm not going to go and stretch it to say he'll ever be, you know, throw for 4,000 passing yards and 30 touchdowns or anything like that. But, you know, with, with the weapons that they have, you know, say two years from now, they still have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I think Gronk leaves and Brady retires. Um, you know, Scotty Miller is looking really good in the slot. Um, O.J. Howard, if they can maintain him after Gronk leaves, you know, I think that they'd be put in a position where, again, if he just if he really wants to, wants to get at it, you know, and if the Buccaneers are smart and he proves himself, maybe sign him to like a two year, you know, a small two year deal where you're not paying him that much, and you know, give him the chance to prove himself. But there's definitely a long road ahead of him. But I think I think instead of going to a different kind of organization and having to relearn the playbook relearning the chemistry between players I think if he really kind of you know sticks to the grindstone these next two years after Brady leaves you know I think the opportunity will be there more than probably any other team in the league so I gotta I gotta go stick with the Tampa Bay Bucks I'm gonna say that he's gonna stick there and you know hopefully try and prove the dad was wrong and y'all didn't make this easy because I thought it'd be like the whole like well, this is who, look, he's, he's pretty good here, he's pretty good. Y'all brought statistics in, and I wasn't ready for statistics. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> awesome. But I'm sorry, Kyle, I got to give the main one to Zach. It's, it's because I think because I had him go first, 
he, he said all the statistics and everything like that. And then when it was your time to go, you brought up the same statistics, which, in all fairness, is good. You're reiterating the fact that this is important. But um, it didn't seem, besides the bonus question part, that you had anything else that wasn't already said previously. But bonus question, got to go with Kyle here. I was sitting there thinking to myself while I was asking that question, where could he start? And the Colts, I looked at, I thought about the Colts. I'm like, the Colts, yeah, that makes sense. But then they just drafted somebody who's looking pretty good here. Um, the Philip Rivers was saying he's better than Philip than he was when he was. Um, then I'm looking at the Patriots. I, I my mind went to the Patriots. Bill Belichick, he isn't going to get fired. Frank Reich probably wouldn't get fired if they had a bad season, but it'd be you know close. Bill Belichick obviously not going to get fired, but they do have Jared Stidham, so there's that question. And then the Buccaneers, they don't have anybody. They have Mike Glennon, but he's not going to be around anymore. So that was also a good thing with the Buccaneers. He could end up starting there, but I think their Super Bowl window is this year and maybe next year, and then it's closed forever um, because all their players are old. So uh, I got to go with Zach for the main and Kyle with the bonus. All right. Okay. I I can definitely understand that, you know, touche to Zach. But I this is this is not a, a, a bonus question or anything. This is a fun tidbit. Frank Reich is the author of, uh, well, I guess now the second greatest uh, comeback in playoff history when he quarterbacked the Bills against the Houston Oilers. But did you know that Frank Reich was the first ever starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers? Hmm. Oh. They they picked him in the expansion draft, and he was the starter until Kerry Collins took over. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. Did not know that. You learn something new every day. They say. The, you you come on the show, and if you don't learn something, then obviously you're um, you're on the wrong show. Absolutely. I'm not gonna lie. I. Uh, I'm, I'm honored that I'm walking away with, with the with the W. Um, I felt like I took a real big gamble saying Josh Rosen because I feel like it would, would get a starting job because I feel like 99.9% of the people would say no. And I honestly was going to plan on saying no for the longest time, but I figured that, you know, Go for it all. Take a stab in the dark and just give it a shot, right? I would say he would. I mean, I have no personal opinion. I say he would. I say, who knows what's going to happen, but it's the NFL. If you're still on a team, there's always a chance. Always and he does. might you know, prove something in training camp and boom. I mean, so, let's let, let, let's go back to Frank Reich for a second. He was the backup quarterback to arguably one of the greatest, uh, greatest quarterbacks of the late 80s, early 90s in Jim Kelly. And Kelly got injured. If Kelly was healthy and played that game, do, do the Houston Oilers beat him? And the fact that Frank Reich had, um, the one thing about Frank Reich in that game is, he had a similar situation in Maryland against the University of Miami, where he took over the starting job from Boomer Esiason when he went to the NFL. Uh, Boomer's watching the game, they're getting blown out. He turns the game off, and he comes in, uh, comes into I guess the uh, uh, practice the next day. Finds out Maryland came back and won. It was one of the biggest um, comebacks in college fo- uh, football history. So he was doing wow. the um, uh, halftime show, and when when the Bills were down this horrible amount, and he literally said, "Hey, I slept on him one time. 
I'm not sleeping on him again. If Frank Reich is in that game, until the until the clock is zero, you have a shot. And then that's what happened. We are going to send our results to um, poll workers in the state of Michigan and Wisconsin. I know they have some work going on, but we're just going to make sure our vo- our votes are tallied correctly and uh, free of any uh, legal litigation. And when we, come, <laughs> we will. Hey, we got to have some fun with this election. Uh, we do. <laughs> Alright, uh, welcome back. Sorry for the delay. Um, there was some litigation. Apparently, uh, I uh, wrote down a hanging chad from Florida and, you know, they couldn't read my handwriting <laughs> or something, but we finally got the points tally. In third place with two bonus questions, me. In second place with uh, one and a half points, Bennett. And Zach, with two points, you are the winner. Drum roll, please. No, no, no. We, Victory. Listen, we can't do that because um, uh, the royalties cost a lot. No, whoops. I apologize. I apologize on that. You live and you learn, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, anything you want to say before we uh, take ourselves off the air? Um, no, it was um, just thank you for having me, guys. It was an absolute pleasure to be here and um definitely had a lot of fun you know i um big big sports nerd over here so i you know i had a blast i can do this for hours and hours on end with you guys so no thank you thank you very very much for having me and um you know i'm i'm excited to see see how this thing unfolds for us and ju- just let you know the next time you're coming on it's gonna be 100 college baseball See, now that is where I might have to call in sick because if we could talk football all day. We could talk basketball, even Major League Baseball. I might be able to bend the rules a little bit, but college baseball, I am, I just, it's like a different language to me. So I'm going to have to start doing my research that way when I get back on, I can kind of show you guys up a little more, right? Okay. <laughs> ben didn't want to say anything before we uh, kick off? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Once again, I want to thank uh, Zach and Bennett for recording this episode of Inside the Cage. This was recorded back in October, and it was a lot of fun. So basically, uh, once again, I want to sit here and thank Zach and Bennett for doing the show. It was awesome. Uh, Once again, it was recorded in October, so... That's why we were talking about the NFL season. It was going on at the time we recorded this episode for WCCU. Um, And at the same time, I hope everyone has a great rest of your week. I do know next week we are going to talk about the realignment of minor league baseball. And trust me, it got realigned very, very differently. We will discuss that and probably talk about other things. We don't know. I haven't decided yet. But for the Blind Tag Podcast, I'm your host, Kyle Nashheim. Can't wait to see y'all next week.